Welcome to the journey of an esthete, a comprehensive examination of all things aesthetic, the arts, the humanities, and what it means to be human. All rise. Elizabeth Williams, uh, welcome to Journey of an Esthete. Oh, thank you. Hi, Mitch. Nice to speak to you. Nice to finally speak to you. Um, I usually do a, a, I try to do a brief introduction before we start talking, if you don't mind. It won't take sure. too long. Um, we have a lot of different kinds of guests on our show, uh, encompassing the widest range of artistic accomplishment and endeavor. And sometimes the guests on our show are people that have done more than one art or they've done things even yeah. outs even outside of the arts. Um, and some guests, of course, are people I know personally, some I have never met, and some I only know their work. Um, I sort of um, decided to have you on the show because I think it's an important part of the arts. Uh, I would say arts that are somewhere in between the utilitarian uh, or for the fine art. They sort of they sort of straddle yes. those worlds, and you're somebody that's you're, you're somebody that's has had many careers, and I love if you don't mind talking about the fashion stuff as well because you work with Bob Mackie, which is extraordinary. But I guess you're you're probably most famous to our listeners from some of the very very, shall we say, high profile trials of, in in the country or the world. Um. Yeah. And so, for example, Epstein and Weinstein and um, uh, the, this person from Mexico, El Chapo, and um, and many other many other cases, very notorious cases. Um, so, what I thought we would do is do what we normally do: is sort of a linear chronology, if you don't mind, and sort of discuss how you developed your immense skill uh, in illustration and drawing, and the different places it's taken you. As well as talk a little bit about crime, because I, I confess I haven't I haven't mentioned this to my audience before, but I'm a partial true crime buff. Um, I, ah. <laughs> I don't, but I don't go as far as the, the late great Michelle McNamara. I'm not an amateur sleuth like she was, and I'm not as hardcore as she, as she was. But it is an interest, and I was very interested. My interest actually started with uh, Dominic Dunn. Strauss Dunn. No, 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 no. DSK. No, yeah, no. Dominic Dunn and his daughter being killed. Oh, Dominic Dunn. Yes. Oh, his daughter. Yes, and that was that. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. And so that researching that case, um, in particular, is what got me interested in criminal psychology. And it's just one of my hobbies. But I don't want to, I don't want to bore anybody too much. But welcome, Elizabeth, and, and if you don't mind. Um, Discuss your journey becoming this kind of illustrator, uh, a very particular genre, a very particular style, um, and how, how you, you know, start wherever you want to. You could start from youth or, or whatever you, whatever's on your mind. Oh. Okay, um, just a quick question. Um, how long um, do we have for the interview? I mean, how long do you want for the interview? I'll try to make my comments brief. I just want to have a sense of what timeline we're looking at. 
Well, believe it or not, that's your call. You're the guest and the guest is the boss. So if you tell me that we only have a half hour, we only have a half hour. I mean, I'd love to talk to you for 90 minutes or an hour, but that's me. So we'll- that's great. No, that, that's fine. I mean, um, I can get, I can you know edit it back, or I can expand um, on on certain subjects, whatever you like. I just want to accommodate whatever your confines are. Um, it's fine for me. Uh, I've got all the time for you that you need. Oh, that's, um, that's beautiful. So yeah. you have a lot to say, and we really want to hear it. So start wherever you feel is important to start. Well, what I'll, I'll do is I'll just start with, I mean, very briefly, when I um, was growing up, um, my mother would bring home or would occasionally buy the New York Times. And I grew up in a very small little town in central New York. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't much here. <laughs> But she rang home the New York Times, and this was in the 60s, when the New York Times was filled with illustrations, fashion illustrations, um, of the likes of, uh, your, your listeners may not know these names, but Fred Greenhill, Kenneth Paul Block, yes. uh, Saad Fleichman, these illustrators were top-notch in their field and the drawings always I was always enamored with those drawings and then she would take me to the public library in the nearest city Mm -hmm. and I would go through the rack the you know the books on art and I found a book called illustrating fashion Mm. and I I took that out of the library, and I just loved that. And that was my passion and my love, and it still is, quite frankly, to this day. I love uh, drawing people, number one, and I love clothes and fashion, number two. And so when I went to college, uh, I got a, a, a several awards from the Scholastic um, arts competition and one was to Washington University in St. Louis Art School. That's a great and then, That's a really yeah, it's a really, a good, really good, yeah. It's a good, very good university. Um, but I wanted to go to Parsons School of Design because they had a great illustration department and in particular they had a great fashion illustration department with people um, of the likes of Stephen Stippelman and John Gundelfinger and, and top-notch illustrators were teaching there, real professional illustrators. Yeah. But my parents said, no, you have to, they, they said you have to go to a, a real university first. And they finally agreed that I could I would go for two years to this regular university and then I could transfer. I think they thought that I wouldn't really do it, but I waited my two years and I studied um, lots of drawing, some painting because Washington university really is a school of fine art. Mm -hmm. They had a fashion design program, but I did not want to be a fashion designer. I wanted to be an illustrator. So they they had a strong they had a pretty strong uh, drawing department 
Hmm. And I took advantage of that. But then after two years, I transferred much to their chagrin to Parsons as agreed upon. And there I worked and I studied under some really wonderful illustrators. They were, you know, top in their field. And it was an amazing experience. And I think that it was great to go to a, you know, typical university, but it can't meet the same standards that a art school where they hire professional illustrators and they're really working in the field and they can really give you insight into um, what art directors are looking for and they give you more of a distance sense because at the end of the day, this is a business and I didn't want to become a fine artist, quite frankly, for just the mere fact that I'm much more interested in, as you said, the, um, how did you call it, the, the utilitarian side of things. Well, I, I, I've always hold that thought. I like what, that. what I wanted to say, and I, did, I don't feel I express it as accurately as I would have liked, because I'm, this is all spontaneous and improvised. I don't, I'm not working from notes, but there are art forms that I think straddle, they don't fit into categories as much as people want to put them into categories. So, so in a, in a good example is your your drawings of these very famous trials. They are, they are to me superb illustrations. Um, and so they're they're both fine art, but they serve, you know, they're, they're also used when you see documentary or the six o'clock news. They're, you know, when you report, they're also used in a very utilitarian, prosaic context. And I'm very mm-hmm. interest, I'm interested in the fact that they can be both. While we're on right. that, while we while we're on that subject, do you mind? One of my favorite illustrators of all time is Lawrence Fellows from the thirties. And his yeah, he drew on men's suits mostly, men's suits, men's sport coats of the nineteen thirties for Esquire magazine and for Apparel Arts. I, I've heard I've heard of him. Um, I've heard of him. Uh, I've heard of him. And uh, I did some men's fashion illustrations. Oh wow! Yes, yes, I, I did some, and I, I these are um, these are the guys who this is very much um, the type of, of illustrations that I the these are a little bit tighter than one I like. I mean, these are really very specific, and but I still I love this stuff. Oh, it's, I mean, I love. It's great. I, I, that's that's the thing, and you know something. These could be courtroom illustrations mm-hmm. because guess what? They're men in they're men in suits, yeah. and so they're standing. Might as well have a a, a, a man in a suit, you know, uh, pointing to a jury. And at the end of the day, right? Um, my fashion background, um, drawing men's fashion really helped me in the courtroom because I'm very sensitive to the structure of a jacket. Wow. The lapel is, 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 the, is, the, is the suit uh, vented or not. Right. Uh, what, what's the tie like? Yeah. And all men's fashions are very detail-oriented. In other words, women's fashions can be very expressive and I know remember Joe Eula. Mm. Joe Eula was a fitter who worked for the New York Times. 
and he would draw the fashion shows. And I've done a couple of these. And you can, I also did a Bob Mackie fashion show. You can draw some of these extraordinary outfits that women wear with a, in a, with a very um, almost abstract expressionist approach. Mm-hmm. You cannot really do that with men's suits. Okay? You can, I guess, but yeah. generally speaking, men's suits. It's, it's very important to understand the structure of it. So that helps me in the courtroom, no question about it. You really, I mean, for example, drawing John Gotti <laughs> and yeah. his, and, 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 you know, in his sartorial splendor and yeah. his real suit. And then I drew Paul Castellano, the man he rubbed out. Prior to that, I'll never forget Paul Castellano, who was talk about, uh, about both those both those trials, if you don't mind. I mean, it's, that's Castellano was head of the Gambino crime family in 1984 in New York City, and he was a big, tall, uh, com- you know, man who commanded a great presence. And I'll never forget him walking into this federal courtroom, one of the ceremonial federal courtrooms in 40 Center Street in lower Manhattan, wearing, having a, a gigantic big stogie in his mouth, wearing a big top coat. And I'm not sure if he had his hat on or not, but he had a hat. Oh, sure. And yeah. then, then you would see the flip side of this, was, you know, and, and Paul Cosuano was, you know, balding and mm-hmm. and had a very Romanesque profile. And then there was John Gotti, mm-hmm. who was lost and the the a beautiful tailored jacket, a jacket, a, a, a top coat over the double-breasted jacket with the Brioni, you know, with the, um, what kind of tie did he wear? I can't remember the name of it. But uh, well, anyway, I'll, I'll he, he, he most likely would have worn, he could have worn custom bespoke ties by one of the Italian. Uh, there's an Italian maker in France. I mean, in Italy, he might have used or Brioni. I never yeah. But you know, those things. These are these are fashion statements by these men. Yeah. And so it ties in, it really does tie in to what I, I learned and how I use it in courtrooms. I mean, for example, I'll never forget with Harvey Weinstein. He um he was he had turned his he was looking over kind of he used to slump his arm, his right arm over the back of his chair and we were sitting to his right in the in the mm-hmm. first row or no first row are you kidding me we were in the third row back but sometimes he would sort of turn towards the right and put his hand behind arm behind the chair and I'll never forget his jacket fell open one day yeah. and I see he had these little clip on suspenders. Oh yeah. It was all comedic. The little clip on, and they were red. I drew it. I I, call, I I talked to my photo editor. I said, "My God, he's wearing clip on suspenders. You know, the elastic clip on suspenders." Here's Harvey Weinstein. So I drew this, and then the next time I saw him in court, he 
he made sure to look, let, let us all see that he had the nice, you know, button-up ones, <laughs> thick and nice, mm-hmm. but uh, he was a suspender guy. It's interesting. Um, anyway, you know, those things, I find those things interesting, and they tell the story about the person. Huh. Well, in the case yeah. of, in the case of, Harvey Weinstein or somebody I am, I am no expert on. I have I didn't follow that case as closely as many did. Um, he always looked terribly in how he presented himself. I mean, he always had to me had a kind of a real sloppiness, you yeah. know, casual to the point of dis, dis, disreputable appearance. Um, mm-hmm. Even before I knew what he did as a man, as a person, almost as if there was a, a almost as if the outer reflected. The condition of his, the, the poor condition of his character, in some some sense, and and I always found I I always that's just my opinion. I always thought he looked like some of the worst dressers in Silicon Valley. Um, to me, yeah. that yeah, I don't know. You would probably you probably more know more about that. But. You know, he he was not um, interested in well tailored suits. That's for sure. Yeah, but you know, that's at least what we saw. Yeah. Who knows what he was really dressed like if he was going to an awards banquet or, you know, yeah. who, who knows. But he got a ring. He was wearing a light blue, I believe it was V-neck sweater and a, a jacket, pair of blue jeans and a, and a, a blazer. Um, and, um, I mean, that's just how he, that's how he yeah. presented. I don't know if it's, because I, I, you know, I mean, everybody is weird. I mean, people choose their clothes, I think, and what makes them comfortable and how they want people to perceive them. That's right. That's true. So, um, and, and some people are more attuned to others. So I, he was probably more attuned to movie stories and content like that than fashion. Um, I don't know. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I really never. Some of these, you know, I go from case to case to case to case. So I can't really kind of study each case. Of course. Um, oh no, that's not you. Uh, you can't do that. I mean, yeah. You have a whole I, other. I, I'm more of a, I'm sorry. You have a whole other job you have to do. You have to, to you know, do representational drawings of these of these people in, in very unusual circumstances, you know, in, in a courtroom. That in itself is yeah. probably very, I would imagine, is an exacting art form. And you, ha- you have to focus on that. You know, you can't be bothered with some other things, I don't think. But, <laughs> but uh, do, you yeah, mind, do, you, do you mind uh, rewinding a little bit? And talking about the great Bob Mackey, because you worked with him. Well, I did not work with him. I actually got that high in the in the organization. I worked with his under, I worked in his atelier. I worked okay. with Rhett Turner. Okay. With Rhett Turner. And then, um, then I also uh, did, I did drawings for him. I, I mean, I guess, you know, um, Huh. I worked at, he used to be in an uh, atelier called Elizabeth Courtney on uh, Melrose Avenue. Mm-hmm. And that's where Bob Mackey located. And Bob Mackey had Brett Turner, who did other designs, if I guess, the Starlet 
couldn't get Mackie, they would use Brad. But I worked there um, and uh, did drawings for them. Mm-hmm. Mackie was an amazing illustrator on his own, and he really didn't need an illustrator to draw for him. Mm-hmm. But I did also work for um, uh, his name, Travis. He, he, he designed for Liberace. And I, um, not Ray Travis. It was, um, well, it oh, it couldn't God. be Travis Banton because that's a different. No, it wasn't Travis couldn't Banton. It was, um, yeah. too old. Uh, she just, I'll find it. Um, yeah. his name was Michael Travis. That's Michael right. Travis, yeah. Michael Travis, I did, you know, I remember drawing a couple of blue, or then one, I remember specifically drawing a blue feathered cape for Liberace one. Wow. Um, and I know. He liked those things. Michael Travis was one of the nicest men you ever wanted to meet. He was just a lovely, lovely man. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and and anyway, so I worked for him, you know, but as a freelance right. um, illustrator in Hollywood. And then um, I worked for several others. And, and and honestly, what was happening was is it really wasn't the kind of illustration, fashion illustration I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to do, I wanted to do what they were doing in Women's Wear Daily and at drawings for the, the New York Times. I wanted to do more advertising fashion Racing. work and I wanted to do stuff that was, I wanted to get hired to draw fashion shows and things like that. That's a very tall order for a young illustrator, Okay. Yeah, and a person got connected, and a person. I, I I went out to Los Angeles by myself alone. I knew no one. That's fantastic. And do you, Do you mind? I went out. Do you mind telling me what year that was when you went out there, or what 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 was it? Seven, uh, Those were the years, right? That's when everything mm-hmm. was happening. Well, I mean, you know, it could have been happening, but I, I was so young and so green. I didn't know it, you know, and I, I went out there to do some postgraduate work and, yeah. um, you know, try to possibly, I was thinking about maybe I'll get my master's. I wasn't sure, but I wanted to study with an illustrator out there who was also was teaching it. I think at the time, where was she teaching? I can't remember. Her name is Eva Roberts. She was... Mm-hmm a great fashion illustration teacher. And she was the one, and I, at any rate, so bottom line is I, I had a bunch of crappy jobs. Yeah. I was going to classes. I was working for these designers and I couldn't make ends meet. And it wasn't a good strategy. And I realized that this was not taking me the place that I wanted to go. And my parents were getting a little bit annoyed with me. And so... Hmm. Eva suggested that I go see a, she thought that I could, I should have had a natural natural knack for getting a likeness, which I never even thought about ever. Uh, Doing portraits was the last thing I thought on my mind. I, you know, but anyway, she said, you have a knack for that. You should look into courtroom illustration. And quite frankly, when I was at Parsons, nobody in the general illustration department, okay, nobody ever wanted to be a fashion courtroom illustrator because to those uh, teachers, to those students, 
it was kind of like the lowest long illustration you could possibly do. And I'll That's tell you the reason why. Because there's no art director generally directing it. Okay? You're hired by a news person who just needs an illustrator. And the generally, would, people would get hired because they knew someone, not because they were so skilled hmm. at drawing from life. Okay, so what happens is, and you still see this happen and occur in the general illustration, in the portrait illustration field, is you have a wide range of quality. Okay, you've yes. got some people who are superb, like Bill Rothless, and then you've got other people who are really not up to the task too much, and, and BuzzFeed and these places make fun of them. Hmm. So, um, so the problem was that nobody, there were, Fewer of those, the good people, at least when I was studying, the people who I saw in New York, what we, who we would see in New York, but the New York Times people, artists, they really were kind of not to the same level as, for example, um, the illustrator you were talking about, uh, Warren Fellows. Yeah, okay? I happen to love Fellows, they weren't even close to that. Oh, okay. So that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to do that. Yes. But I was desperate enough, and she said, go down and look at this courtroom art show wow. in San Diego. So I drove all the way down there, and I saw the work of Bill Rose, and that changed my life. That changed because my life. I said, that totally changed my life. Because I said to myself, my God, this is gorgeous drawing. This is just gorgeous illustration. This is what I want. I'll do this. That corporate illustration can be this. Well then, okay. All right. Then 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 we've got then I got something. I mean, then I had there's some hope here. Um and so I then because quite frankly the other two people on the show were mediocre again, you know, just a bunch of just it wasn't just it was nothing that like was like I just didn't you know, it just wasn't I mean, I, I hate to be mean, but I'm not being mean, I'm just being honest. It's like mm. you know, to be a great draftsman is is like incredibly challenging and mm -hmm. it takes a lot of dedication to the craft and talent mm -hmm. to get that way. And he happens to be one of the greats. Mm -hmm. Hands down. So, okay, so fast forward a year after this and still struggling along and I'm working on, you know, trying to get a portfolio together, a courtroom art, and working for these various fashion illustrators and selling pantyhose and like that and then and, then I worked in a, oh, God, I was here and there and everywhere. Anyway, so I went down to the courthouse in on Temple Street where they tried O.J. Simpson. And then I went to the courthouse in, San, in Santa Monica where they wow. also tried O.J. Simpson. I would travel all around. Anyway, point is, I wasn't getting anywhere because mm. I tried to get in. I would try to call the news news staff. So I would try to call people and see if I could send my portfolio. People wouldn't even listen to me. People, sometimes people would hang the phone up on me. Ah, anyway, so I'll, I'll never forget. I was at our, um, sitting in one of the courtrooms down on Temple Street, and one of the 
court officers came up to me and said, you know, you might want to come down here when there's actually a court case that sure. somebody wants to cover the news business. I thought, oh, wow. Yeah, because, well, you know, the Hillside Strangler is going to be here next week. You drew him. So we down then. Sorry? Wow. You drew him. Well, well, not really. I was there when that happened, but I, they never, anyway, but well, what, what happened? My first case, I think, was a child molester. But the thing was is that when I was down there at that that day when they had the Hillside Strangler hearing, um, Bill Robles was there. So I, I knew what he looked like because wow. in that here in that show there was a little video of him, and I saw him wow. on the hallway. And I was incredibly shy at the time. So you're meeting, okay, your, like, you're meeting your hero. This is the man who, who changed I was meeting your... my hero. And I'll oh, never wow. forget it. it took great, but, I, you know, fear is a good motivator. Because I was getting really scared that I wasn't going to be able to pull this off, you know. And my parents were like, you know, come home, back home just to our little town. You know, basically give up. <laughs> and I remember walking across the hallway and talking to him. I was, oh, God, I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God. You know, and I had my little drawings in my portfolio, and I showed them to me. But, you know, you're kind of half sad. Let me introduce you to the reporter here. Wow. Who's here for the thing. Maybe, you know, they can introduce you to the assignment editor, and that's how I got first job. That's, well, a, beautiful, of him. that's a beautiful story. It's, um... It's you know it's a story about 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 I guess perseverance and um and, cur- and courage I guess and 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 and, yeah. and um, fear and fear. <laughs> well, but but there's also but there's doesn't courage isn't courage have fear attached to it in some sense or yes it does yes I guess it does courage has to overcome fear for it but, to be successful. Do you mind? Do you mind talking a little bit more about the greatness of of this particular illustrator? What what he did that others didn't do, or either in terms of what he did, what he does, he still mm-hmm. he still does it. Okay. Um, he, his his drawings. Um, I I saw uh, the the show were uh, included in that show were drawings of um, Marvin Marvin um, Marvin Mitchell. No, Marvin. Lee Marvin, Lee Marvin. Oh, yeah. Uh, and at my Triola, there was a, some sort of a palimony suit they had. I remember. Lee Marvin, Ernie Marvin, and uh, Charles Manson was in there. Oh. Um, I can't remember what else, but they're extraordinary. Okay, they're they're drawn beautifully from life, not copied from photographs in the studio. That's a different kind of art. Okay. You can take photographs and use it as photo reference and make a beautiful drawing in your studio and everything's comfortable and it's predictable and you know how to do what you're going to do and you get it done that way. And some people, they trace the photographs. That's a well-known Secret in the illustration field, okay? Um, and they get things done beautifully, and that that's fine. It's a different world when you're working from life, and you have no photographs, and you have nothing in front of you to guide you, and you have a piece of paper, and you have the person, 
You have Charles Manson sitting there. Yes. And he did the, you know, beautifully drawn, right? Very strong draftsmanship. Incredible likeness. Incredible. Mm-hmm. And gesture and the design of the drawing, you know, designing the drawing as you're doing it. In other words, these drawings of Lee Marvin that were not cartoonish, they were just caricatured. I mean, you know, you're using the, the length of his face to try to, you know, capture a gesture and um, designing the two figures together to make a great composition. And all this is done on the fly. All this is done while people are moving in front of you. And then the careful use of color. Mm. Very important. Okay. And so these these things are, are not easy. It looks easy, but it's not. And then, you know, it looks easy to a young person. And then... Mm-hmm. So I tried to do what Bill did. I tried to get the markers. I tried all this stuff. Of course, it never went anywhere because I, I mean, I, I couldn't do what he did. I mean, I didn't have skills that as yet at that point in time to be able to to you know go up against him. I mean, I mm-hmm. I tried. Did try. I mean, drawing, getting really good at drawing takes a long time. And by the way, I'm 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 you know still trying. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not easy it doesn't just sort of it's not like falling off a log you know it, it, it takes a certain amount of concentration and thought mm-hmm. and uh observation to do it well it's mm-hmm. never that easy i don't find it easy i always i'm challenged by it Still to this day. Still. Um, clearly, yeah. clearly uh, at least in my view, you became one of the masters in this field. And you, you, you know, and again, I, I'm somebody who's an outsider. I can't draw. So I don't, I don't have any preconceptions about what's easy or what's hard. Um, it all looks difficult <laughs> to me, you know. I, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> well, I mean, partly because of the, how do you deal with the distraction of court and all the emotional well, do you mind talking a little bit about um, the content of what you're drawing in terms of the, the things that people have done that, that are evil or justice or any of the other things, issues? It's a big topic, but I'm wondering what comes to mind because you've covered a lot of um, emotionally difficult well, cases. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you the one thing that you've got to bear in mind when you're doing this job. You've got to bear in mind always. You're working for the news business. Okay, and you have to develop a new sense, and you have to know when something is happening in court, what is important, and what is going to be important to a um, a new story. Yep. For example, if you see the first drawing I sent you, which is Harvey Weinstein after the verdict. Yes. They the you know he had been out on bail. And the judge said, you're remanded. That's it. You know, you're going into jail. Mm-hmm. Now, the two officers that are holding him up and as he's shuffling into the lockup, they walked right over to him. And I couldn't see them put the handcuffs on him, but it was pretty fast. And then as he, he, he was kind of a little bit handicapped, so he was moving sort of slowly, thank God. And 
Mm-hmm. You sort of shove, but I had to lift him up a little bit and sort of, you know, escort him out of the courtroom into the lockup. And that is a scene that is newsworthy okay. because had remained free for all this time and had done all of these things. And this is a um, an image that a news uh, uh, editor would want to have. So you've got to understand the case enough so that when you go into a courtroom situation that you're going to know when you're seeing a newsworthy image and get it. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, like then the second picture is the one of him in the wheelchair. Now yep. he had never been in a wheelchair; he'd always been using a walker. I don't know if you remember there was an issue with his back, mm-hmm. and he had back surgery or something like that. And when he was sentenced, the next time we saw him in court, he was in this wheelchair. Now. I've got a table, okay, that I've got that's obliterating parts of his leg. But I can see enough of that wheelchair and his white box and his shoes with no shoelaces, because they don't allow shoelaces in prison. Mm. So what I'm going to do there is I'm just going to leave off the um, lower body of his attorneys who are seated next to him and focus on him and his wheelchair and his uh, feet and um, his expression and his partially um, grown beard and his expression, which was palpable because he was looking right at me with those kind of dark eyes and that sort of almost dead looking expression. So that was another thing that I thought was important. Now, the next one is Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Epstein had just been arrested mm-hmm. the day before on the tarmac of some little airport in New Jersey and was brought into court and they put prison, uh, he was in prison scrub when they brought him out to arraign him. Mm-hmm. And he put his arms on his table, on the table, and he's with these little, he had these little wiry arms and hands. Mm. Well, and his hair was all askew. And I thought, this is a really interesting image of this guy. Plus his hands and what he had done with those hands. Mm. I thought, those women. Mm. Well, there they are, you know, right in between those lawyers, right out there. Um, the next one actually is this Takashi 69, this rapper mm-hmm. who testified against the blood, had the two heads of the blood gang who were involved with him with, in, with a, a video that he did called Gummo. And I don't know if you can see on the, on the, on the, on the, what do you call the, the monitor? Mm-hmm. It's got, and he's being actually cross-examined by the um, defense attorney of one of the blood. Um, I, I forget the guy's name, but and 
how Takashi was so, well, I mean, he was very articulate on the stand, and he was very thoughtful and methodical mm-hmm. about his testimony. Mm-hmm. And, and you see this guy, he's kind of really thinking things through when he's got this, talking about this gummo video. Anyway, and then the last one, um, it, it's less, it's not, not a key image. It's just Rex Tillerson being examined by his attorney. But the, the one, the one below was a key point during the uh, El Chapo sentence thing where he made his statement. That was the only time we hear, heard him make a statement in court. And that's the money got there. You got to get that. And I finally kind of got a good likeness of him because getting likeness is a real is a real uh, a challenge sometimes. I mean, some people are easy to draw, and others are not. Interesting. And 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 Capo for me was a challenge. His wife, on the other hand, was a beauty queen, oh, and yeah. I was all I was all teed up for that one because of all my experience drawing fashion women's faces. <laughs> sure. So all my entire youth. Anyway, so. That's my long answer to your question. Wow. Um, do you, well, what was a, an example of a, one of an earlier trial you covered where you felt, well, first of all, that you felt you were gaining insight into something about life or reality that you would not have gotten had you not been doing this work? You know, it could be insight into, you know, crime or Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I tell you the truth, hanging out in the courtroom, whether it's the case or it's not the case, watch it. Sometimes, like, for example, an arraignment, arraignment court, arraignment parts or wherever they are, wherever you are, one's a part, one's a court. It depends on which courthouse you're in, federal, state, whatever. You'll sit there for a long time mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, and... You see just life happening before you and, and real, like, what stuff can really happen to people? But, like, real human tragedy and drama can happen. Mm-hmm. You spend hours waiting for somebody to come up and be arraigned. You see stuff all the time. Mm. And... It, um, you know, most people don't do this. So even if they're a jury, you know, they're going to jury, they don't do that. And it does give me a great insight into the court system. Interesting. And a lot for the judiciary because I think that these people have to be are uh, especially criminal judges and, and federal judges who hear criminal cases. I mean, it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough. And, and, and it's not tough for these people all the time. It's tough. I've great writing. Anyway, you know, it's just, there's a, a, a lot of sad situations out there. I just, for example, um, did a whole bunch of drawings for Frontline 
um, about the immigration situation oh. in uh, covered in El Paso, Texas. Oh wow! I mean, God, you want to see about human human tragedy and drama? These people who've you know been through miles and miles of you know traveling the length of Mexico mm-hmm. to get out. I mean, honest to God, makes you feel really lucky mm-hmm. to be American. Okay, that is one sad situation there, and and women with children. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get a lot of that. I mean, a lot of that. And at some point, you know, it used to really get to me, Mitch. It used to really get to me. And I used to ask Howard Brody was many years my senior, how do you do it? You know, how do you shut off? Mm. And he just would say, you know, you just keep focused on your work. Mm. But he used to really impact me, yes. frankly. Uh, not so much anymore. Well, sometimes you just, sometimes, you know, it's, it, I mean, I, 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 quite frankly, I did the, um, I covered the T-Mobile Sprint merger trial. Huh. Um, yeah. The, what was it? Fall, I think, last year. Yes. And it was a nice break, or the, maybe the winter fall. But anyway, um, before the pandemic, it was a nice break because <laughs> it was civil trial. It was yeah. fascinating, really fascinating to uh-huh. learn about the, you know, the merge and the challenge to that um, by the state. And it didn't involve, um, you know, that kind of human pathos and, and tragedy that so many of the things that I cover do. Yes. But yet you, yeah. you, you said that T-Mobile was interesting. Um, oh, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really interesting case. I thought it was just, you know, I, I don't know. I'm the person who likes to sometimes, I like to go to bankruptcy court. I think it's interesting to see what happens in bankruptcy court and happens to these corporations and how they are structured yeah. and things like that. I think that stuff's interesting. I mean, I know my colleagues all think that I'm crazy, but... They don't see your interest in, in white collar or financial... Um, yeah, I, I like white collar crime. I, I think, well, not so much. I like white collar crime. I, I more the yeah. civil stuff, the civil cases, the bankruptcies, and um, well, like for example, when the economy tanked in two thousand yep. and eight, and Kohler went into bankruptcy, and that case that they were they were on uh, trial. That lasted like it was crazy. It was like a three-day crazy trial, and they were in, in rushing to get it done so the judge could make a ruling in it. And we were in the bankruptcy court until midnight. Mm-hmm. It was just crazy. You know, I, I, they had all these union officials in there explaining the union benefits, and then the, uh, the, the I'll never forget this. I thought was interesting. The chairman of the board, I think it was Cerebrus, who was controlled Chrysler before Fiat took over. Um, I'll never forget them asking the chairman of the board of of, of Three Bus Chrysler what a line of car 
that Chrysler owns has any value. And he said, there's only one in this Jeep. That was it. The Jeep. The rest of them. That was it. Yeah, Jeep. So was the, <laughs> was the rest just bankrupt or junk or what did he, what did he mean by that? Or what did she mean by well, that? Well, it was, it, they didn't have value. One so I guess when they sold the Fiat, there must have been some deal struck with the, um, I, and I don't know the inner workings of that, but I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I'll that Chrysler, Chrysler's, you know, cars had sunk so low that they were, they held very little value in the company. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, those things, those things kind of interest me. Were you able, were you able to cro- cross paths with Dominic Dunn, the the crime reporter? Yes. Speak, you, yes. Oh, t- talk about him because he's a one was a wonderful writer, and I guess uh, uh, any any thoughts that come to mind of your your meeting him uh, over any period of time. Well, I met him at the um, Dominic. Um, no, I met him at the Martin Stewart trial. Oh. I met him at the Martha Stewart I'm going to try to find this drawing I have oh, of I him, and I'll send it. Those. I'd love to see those um, drawings. I can find it. You know, um, I think. Oh God, where did I put all my? I'm I'm in the midst of um, moving. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. And um, I I got every I had all my flash drives. Maybe they're here. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm moving. I'm between. I'm actually staying up with my brother right now, and we're trying to get the apartment ready to. Um, I have to do some work on it to sell it. Yeah. So I, I'll have to go back and find that drawing I have of him. Everybody needs an anchor in life. You, me, just everybody. Anchor made this whole show possible. I'm immensely grateful to them. You too can use Anchor to make your own shows and create your own vision. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, I'm just curious Uh, more in terms of, he must have been helpful to speak with because he was somebody, you said that it was at one point tough on you covering these emotionally. And he's somebody that had been through all that and I think and probably knew, knew a little bit about what that's like or I don't know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think he definitely, um, okay. So Mulligan, I handed this to Mulligan. Okay. Hold on. Let me see if I can find this picture and send it to you. I did a, um, drawing of him. Oh, wow. During Martha's sword. Let's see. If it's in here. Oh, there he is. Well, it's sort of in, it's sort of not. Anyway, I'll send this to you. Mm. Right here. Okay. Can I download this? All right. He's over here on the left-hand side during Martha Stewart's um, Mm -hmm. deliberation. Um, Wait a minute. Uh, He was there during the whole trial. I think he did an article for Vanity Fair. Well, yeah, Vanity Fair uh, was his major gig for 20 years in the 90s, and you know that was yeah. His, I, think I, think that was his... I don't know if he did a book or not, but I think yeah. he was there. Vanity Fair. Yeah. Anyway, that that whole scene was just like I, I I think I said to a friend of mine that 
jury deliberations was like a uh, like the best uh, New York society cocktail party without the alcohol. I mean, it was like a who's who. Uh, Wow. I'm sorry? Without the alcohol. So it was like a kind of a a peak peak into a certain strap. Oh, yeah. New York, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now it's, okay, so I'm going to send it to Mitch. Yeah. The one at inbox.com or the one at Gmail. Don't have to do it now. It's, we're, we're doing a show, but whatever is easiest for you. I, I just, um, uh, okay. The Mitch Hansen at Gmail, right? <laughs> no, it's the other one at, at inbox. Yeah. That's, inbox. That's okay. okay. Um, okay. I guess I'm sort of wondering, um, I guess basically what he had to say, or I know he was someone who was, um, you know, he was partial to the DA, had a bias, of course, um, you know, because of his daughter's murder. And, uh, in the in the Martha Stewart case? No, no, no. I don't know if he was a partial to the, oh, to the, no, to the I prosecutor. I just mean in general. I don't know if he was. In Martha's case? I don't know. About I don't know. Case, no. I thought he was pretty, I don't know. You know, I didn't focus on him, so that's, right. that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't a murder trial. It was just Martha. We just made some really bad errors and made some yeah. mistakes and got herself into some hot water and yes. was, I think, poorly advised by her attorney. That's all. Right. From my that's my that's my limited understanding of that case. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Dunn was particularly. Um, partial to the, uh, you know, and I, quite frankly, I have to admit, I did not read his article afterwards. I moved on to another trial. So that's yeah. the thing, you know, you sort of go in and you go out <laughs> and you move on. Well, what what, you know? what are your rules personally for what you will expose yourself to or not when you're drawing a trial? I imagine that there were codes or rules are there things you don't look at or you want to look at or how do you do you mind me do you understand my question so are there things that you um do, do you follow me well uh, there are rules but it's not like you're suggesting i think there are rules that i have to deal with okay. all the time all the ap guidelines because okay. i work for the ap yeah, and those guidelines really determine what I'm drawing, and you can't make up something. Okay, sure. you just can't make it up. Now, I some others don't have the same structure as uh, the AP, and do other things. We are really um, confined by reality, and if mm-hmm. it looks like what it is, then that's what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not to make uh, pictures that don't exist. And if somebody's on one side of the room, then you draw that one side of the room. Right. And you um, make another picture for another you know, mm. person on the opposite side of the room. You don't mush them together for the convenience of your picture. Right. So you focused on 
what really, what the reality is. And that is your guidance, guiding um, direction. And also, that's one of the reasons why I use the, um, the supplies, the materials that I use, mm-hmm. because the type of, of um, oil paint stick and oil pestle I use make colors that are very close to the reality of what's before me. When you work in watercolor, it's very difficult to get that deep, rich brown, which is in so many courtrooms. I was you. You, and the, and you read my mind because the next my next question is going to be about seventies and eighties design, because these courtrooms all look very nineteen seventies to me, and the, the colors and the is that am I is that true that there's a kind of everything's tan and brown and 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 yellow and. Some of them are tan and brown, and some of them are dark, dark colors. Yeah, dark. Yeah. Some of them have lots of wood. Oh, Lord. That's what one, I mean. uh, yeah. The one, the T-Mobile trial, heavy-duty wood. Uh, the, uh, uh, for example, the Takashi drawing that was drawn in a courthouse that was built, I believe, in the 30s, I think, in New York City. Mm-hmm. And those courtrooms have marble. Oh yeah, marble and wood. Yeah, heavy duty, dark. Yeah, heavy. Uh, and so you have to to to, to replicate that. Yeah, it's important. You got to, as an artist, it's your responsibility. Yeah, to figure out how to do that and do that quickly, so that you can meet the deadline, which is constantly turning over because in a newswire service. The deadline's always running. It's always going. It's not like it used to be in, in the eighties, in the nineties even, when you had a you know, a five, six, seven o'clock and sometimes a noon show. Now you've got news twenty four seven and the internet and people's computers and their cell phones and it's popping up all over the place. So that's why. Well, that, that, that's, that's true, but I guess that you're talking about very different periods of architecture. If you're if you're discussing discussing the building of the 30s, that's that's a much older. That's mm-hmm. that's totally different than what I, than my mind is sort of the kind of a 70s 80s courtroom has always has a certain yeah. look. Um, that's right. That you go to all different kinds of courtrooms, so you have to be prepared for all different kinds of of backgrounds. So you have your colors. And you've got to know what colors you're going to be needing. The thing that can really screw you up, I'll tell you the truth. The thing that can really screw you up, two things. Okay. A lawyer's eyes and a jury. <laughs> a lawyer's you know, eyes? Jury comes and they've got, like, and, and even if you're not drawing their face, somebody's wearing some bright purple. You know, oh, my God, do I have bright purple? Uh, now I actually bring white from purple because you can't make purple, okay? You can't. Interesting. You can't. Or um, or 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 like turquoise, mm. holy moly, or te- turquoise, teal turquoise. I'm saying. Yeah. So or uh, bright magenta. Oh. Yeah. So you know that that feeling. You can kind of prepare for those things that will happen along the way. Um, but generally, you know, primar- primarily, most attorneys wear a shade of gray. 
or yeah. blue. Sure. Or, you know, brown, dark brown sometimes. The, the people out of the Northeast, people in California and the South and stuff tend, can tend towards brown, oh. beige, sometimes even light blue, seersucker mm-hmm. like that. The Northeast is always some, you know, variation of gray, blue gray, brown gray. Right. Always gray, some, I, some variation of gray. I mean, uh, I, I have you on this call, this episode, and I'm looking at what you just sent me. It's especially the drawing Team Martha. Um, yeah. It's a really beautiful drawing. There's something, it's really hard for me to articulate it, but you have the people facing these opposite directions. Isn't and, that funny? Well, it's, I guess it's funny, but it, but it's, um, there's a there's a pathos to it. There's a there's a, it's really, and there's that in the face. What but also, you really do capture the the ill fitting or or good fitting clothes. You know, like um, I guess the I guess the guy on the left, his jacket's standing away and it's not so good. Or, or yeah, it wasn't. That's exactly right. And the guy to the right was much more sartorial. He was a much more put together guy he than the one on the left. The, the yeah. difference. You know, is, yeah, it's really interesting that you capture. Well, I, I approached that, you know, made more like I would approach a fashion drawing. I really okay. did. That was those were just drawings I did for myself. Oh. Um, I could send those out, and then I don't know if you can see way on the far right. That's Bakanovic. Is see, he's standing at the rail of the courtroom. He always stood. The one particular. Um, bodyguard, the man in the, in the maybe blazer yes. would always be right at the rail so nobody could come over and talk to her. Yeah. You see a little bit of her you um, black with it's, her blonde hair it's, Michael it's beautiful. I mean, you almost think, like, if I didn't know who that was, you could be, for all I know, that could be a, a side of Angie Dickinson or something, you know, or Kim Novak, you don't know. Right? <laughs> you just don't know. I mean, it's um. <laughs> It's um, it's just really something. I do see. I do see the influence, though, in this. I have to say, of those nineteen thirties, forties illustrators, that I know. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, then there was Carl Erickson. Eric is he went by the name of Eric, and then there was Rene Boucher was another one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no question. Those were my heroes. Mm-hmm. Those are my heroes. Those artists in in um, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Yes. No, hands down. Um, Sapolsky, um, uh, Felix Sapolsky from uh, the UK, mm. and um, uh, anyway, and uh, anyway, oh, uh, and. Um, Let's see who else. I don't know all the names like yeah. you do. I mean, you're. Um, oh yeah, look I'm up not... Felix. Felix Kapolsky did drawings of the um, coronation of uh, Queen Elizabeth, Elizabeth, yeah, and did a lot of drawings. And uh, just it was a marvelous, marvelous illustrator. Also did some courtroom drawings, but it wasn't like in the news way. Right. And then drawings for Fortune magazine and all over the place. And just 
He was terrific. I mean, anyway, I, I, I loved all those guys. And so the thing about it is, is that the problem that I found also, just getting back to general illustration today so much, is that, and I really admire it now. I mean, I like the, some of the things that I see that, that are being done by younger illustrators a lot. I like the line drawings. I like, mm-hmm. you know, computer-generated things. Um, cause a lot of them, most of them are done on iPads and with Photoshop and all that stuff. And I think they're done. They're very proficient. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I always loved was the hand drawn, just the, the immediacy and the kind of sometimes the sort of awkwardness and the sort of inaccuracy of a hand drawn, drawn drawing that you miss that with today's illustrations. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's, there's, there's sort of an interesting element, something sometimes not being so perfect. Mm-hmm. And um, they tend to be very perfect now as opposed to back, things back in the, you know, mm-hmm. 40s, 50s. Um, anyway, I mean... I'm, I don't know if it makes any sense, but I do. I, I like that kind of immediacy. I like that that gesture. So, well, then, the phrase that that you mentioned that I think is so important, and I'm going to probably title the episode that is drawing from life. You draw from life, right? And um, oh yeah, no question. And um, you know, I want to ask if you don't mind a little heavier question. You know, some of these cases that you, you have dealt with, you said your first case was a child molester. And, yeah. and, and then you have drawn people like Harvey Weinstein and um, Jeffrey Epstein and I think um, some serial killers, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I have. What serial killers have you – did you – have you drawn? I don't um, – uh, it would have been in the 90s, right? Or eight? Well, the 80s, I drew some, yeah. They're, um, that's a very disturbing um, collection of humans. Yes. Because, you know, they prey upon the weak. Right. I, what, that's okay. what I was going to ask you, because I know you mentioned in this, in earlier that you have these restrictions working for the AP, and you actually work with news services. Yeah. Um, how much do you see what you do as performing a public service, um, or, or sort of, I don't know how, quite, I, think, I don't know how, quite, no, I think that's, yeah, I mean, you, you are, you are, I mean, I think the news, the news done right, <laughs> the news done right, like, like really telling, I, that's why I, I just really like working for the AP, because I think the AP mm-hmm. does the news done right. It's very you no. Know, it, it, it's not hysterical. It's straight just the facts. Thank you very much. And I think just the facts is a public service. Absolutely, no question about. It. And and they have a very high standard of quality. Mm. And I'm, I'm very honored that they have me as one of their regular freelancers mm. who does this type of work. Right. Really am. It, it's great to have somebody hire you who has a very high standard 
well, what did they do? Mm-hmm. And um, I do think it's, the, you know, it is the public service. It's the public yes. service to also draw things accurately. I'm not trying to editorialize anything. That's right. The one thing I'm trying to do is get the right, the image done correctly, weighted it for me, mm-hmm. and get the likeness best I can. And that's one of the things I particularly liked about the Harvey Weinstein picture of the back of his head, the back of his back, his back because I was drawing. able to capture his body language, so you yes. sort of saw it as him. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? The way he kind of slumped over and his jacket kind of ill-fitting. Oh, yeah. That him. Yeah. Um, or, you know, a face. I mean... For example, um, Michael Cohen. Okay. Michael Cohen has a face like a zombie doll. (laughs) I'm not kidding. He has a face that can make, he's a man of a million expressions. Mm. Okay. And his face moves around like, you know, I've never been so challenged with a likeness. Really? Really. I mean, Alcato gave me my money, but uh, Michael Cohen. Huh. I still like post-traumatic stress disorder over there. Really? Because, yeah, because when he was uh, pleading guilty, yeah. okay, Michael Cohen walked into the courtroom being kind of uh, defiant and almost recalcitrant. The first hearing of the Cohen case, he didn't even show up. Oh, interesting. And the judge said, uh, excuse me, uh, where's your client? <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, he should come. All right, yeah, we're not going to do this until your client shows up. Oh, boy. He shows up when he's got this temporary machinery order against the government. Yeah. And he was, you know, the tough guy and all this, and then all of a sudden you sort of start to see him and his face and things not going so well for him. And so then finally when, you know, the rubber meets the road, and he's got to now plead guilty sure. to all these charges. Mm-hmm. And the roller coaster of emotion was running all over his face. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you would see his face do all of these different things. And, and we were all, I mean, that's one thing, Court Mars, you know, if they're, if they're crying, you better get that. And you know, he didn't really cry, but he was on the verge, and he would <laughs> kind of go there, and then not, and then he would be scared, and then he would be, um, you know, angry, and then he would be sad. Holy moly. And you're trying to draw this all and get it to look like him. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> then, that's your challenge. That's right. And what are you going to end landing upon? That's going to really express to people what happened in that courtroom. And when it runs on the APC, it runs and it's there forever. Forever. <laughs> oh, you, ever is it, um, you, you feel like the stakes are really high because it's AP, right? You have yes. To... No question. No question. No. It's different working for a television station. It's on the air for two seconds and it's gone. <laughs> The AP is there forever. Interesting. You bet. But you love the AP. But that's what one of the things you love about. I do. I mean, yeah. They, they, they're 
they're they're the gold standard. Yes. That's why when I wrote that book, mm-hmm. their guidelines are the gold standard for courtroom artists, and they should be for every courtroom artist, quite frankly. Everybody should do that. Mm-hmm. Well, while we're you're a journalist first, then you're an artist. You're a journalist first, you're a fact finder first, then you're an artist. That's right. Do you do you anticipate in the near future um, illustrating a, a former? Well, you know now that now that now that Trump, uh, do you anticipate New York him being in New York cases, and you might be drawing him? Is that something that you? I have no idea. Yeah. You know. um, I mean, I don't know. You know what? Who knows? You know, it's so interesting. You know, you say to yourself, "This is where we're sitting here." You know. You know. What what's going to be the next big case? What's going to be the next big thing? Yeah. Um. You just don't know. I mean, honest to God, it, it's so you know it's funny. So I I I just tell you, I mean, this is really nothing to do with anything, but it was so interesting. My I'm up with my brother, and he's got a bunch of stuff from my parents. My parents used to collect National Geographic. So one night I decided, well, I'm going to go. Look at a um, look at one of these old National Geographic. I picked something up out of 1964, what? and lo and behold, here's an article lit, written by Lyndon Johnson, mm-hmm. the February of 64, talking about as the vice president, he was going all over Europe, and you know, Lyndon Johnson, no clue at all that you know, ten months later, <clears throat> he was going to become president. Yes. And there was going to be this assassination of Kennedy. Yeah. So you just don't know. Yeah, you you just, know. you do not know. The one thing I've always said is people make plans and God laughs. <laughs> That's funny. So I just go with, you know, you go, go with the flow. That's the one thing I've learned to do. Well, when do whatever happens? When is it that you? How does that work? When you do find out, do you get like now? Are you in the middle of going to do something, or what? If you don't, well, what's happening right now for you in terms of Kate courts or? Oh well, I'm doing some private client stuff. I've done some virtual stuff, but you know, basically, um, it's uh, pretty dead right now. Oh okay. Yeah, I mean, it'll pick up. I think in the fall. Um, you know, things will start to pick up, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, things, I think things are pretty, pretty dead right now. It's okay. I mean, I, I've been through times like this before, mm-hmm. um, I come, they go, you know, so it's, you know, it doesn't, uh, I've done this so many years. I've been in it so long. Mm-hmm. That dry cells don't get me all worked up. The one thing I have learned is when things are going well, you know, save your money mm-hmm. because things not then go so well. Yes, you know what I'm saying. So, well, there's a lot. There's a lot never, of wisdom in that. I mean, uh, even listeners that aren't don't do your. You know, I'm sure many listeners can probably glean a lot from from that. And apply, apply oh, yeah. things in life, or, you know. The one thing about life, the only thing it can predict, it's going to change. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's going to change. So it's just, it's just best when, you know, 
don't always assume when it's going great, it's going to continue because mm-hmm. something will change and then it won't. And so you just take, I think the one thing is, is to take advantage of the downtime as much as you take advantage of the uptime. Oh, one of the things that I've learned is when things are, you know, slow is to develop other projects for yourself. That's kind of how the book happened. When I had some slow time, I just realized that it was important, um, and and a public service really Mm -hmm. to collect work of some really fine courtroom artists and put it into one volume for people. And that was how that came to be. It took nine years. And I'm, I'm now doing another um, updated version of it because the uh, publisher went out of business, unfortunately, and the book went out of print. Oh. But we're in the process of doing an updated version of it, so it'll be back online probably close to the end in sometime this year. Uh, that's, that's you know, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, I mean, it's very sorry? when we uh, when this goes to air or gets or drops, as the term is now. Uh, we'll make sure to include that new project because that book, uh, that's great that that's being updated. That's important. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to update it because so many things have changed. It, you know, it came out in, in 2004, but uh, no, I'm sorry, 2014. It finished really up in 2013. Mm-hmm. But heck, you know, that's almost going to be eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, and a lot year. has happened yeah. in eight years. Yeah. A lot. Some kids, you know, it's funny. I, I deal with some young people. We run a mock trial court program, my colleague and I. And I uh, also uh, spoken to others mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, speak and, and volunteer speaking to various high schools and stuff like that. And I remember mentioning Bernie Madoff to somebody and they said, oh, who? I forgot to mention that. I wanted to ask you about that case. Yeah. So, you know, that people know, people are, the news is like, has a very short shelf life. Yeah. So, things that will be, would now, you know, they, all the stuff in the past is gone and forgotten. I mean, somebody said to me, Oh, I just did a, a, a little talk to a, a group um, in a high school, a, law, a little law group in a high school. And um, I said, well, you know, when Martha Stewart's on Martha Stewart was on trial? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do so I, like, I think it's important to update it at one point. So anyway. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I really hate saying goodbye, and it's it's coming close to saying, saying goodbye. But before, uh, you did remind me that you drew Madoff. In that, um, yeah. Do you mind discussing whatever comes to your mind about that trial, or the attorneys, or the jury, or anything? That's okay. Of- was there, just an FYI, there was no trial. He okay. pled guilty. He pled guilty. Okay. And um, his the most, you know, um, compelling moment I think was when he was sentenced, and all those victims stood up and spoke about what had happened to them yeah. and how he had stolen all their money. Yeah. That was quite a scene. Yeah. I mean, these when they were older people, I'll never forget. Mm. 
got up to the, you know, to the podium mm-hmm. to speak to the judge, and she was a widow, mm-hmm. and she was in her six. And Madoff said to her, "Oh, Madoff said, oh, you know, your husband died. I always said I will take care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, sell your house, give me your money. Oh God, and I will." So she sold her home and got into an apartment and stole everything she had. Mm. Now, these, these victims, fortunately, were able to get back, I think, their initial investment, but certainly they did not get back the, um, the money that they thought they were earning or the, the, um, the interest and the, and the, you know, the in, increase in, in revenue or investment return they would have gotten had they invested it really with a real money manager. So they got something. But I mean, that was like, but at that time, they didn't know they were going to get anything. There was one woman that just wandered around Tribeca, you know, eating out of garbage pails and stuff. Wow. So, I mean, he was a bad dude, yeah. a really, truly bad person. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I see him all the time. I see him all the time. Oh, you see them all the many people. All Interesting. All the time. I be careful who you give your money to. <laughs> that is for sure. Be careful who you do that with. Yeah. You know what? There's no, they have no fiduciary requirement, mm-hmm. investment manager. They don't. Oh, interesting. So, just saying. Anyway. <laughs> well, but before, the things I've learned, Mitch. Things I've well, learned. Sure you, but, but, well, speaking of what you've learned, before we, before we, I do say goodbye, are there any cases that you want to mention that are particularly important to you or memorable from any period or? Could be California, New York. I would just say the one case that I remember probably the most vividly that I think was one of the best experiences I had was in 1984 covering the John DeLorean trial. You covered that. First off, I was drawing. I was the youngest there by a long shot. Oh, that's that's incredible. All the uh, artists there were um, gentlemen who were at least twice my age, if not more. That's- and they were couldn't have been nicer to me if you know I they couldn't have been nicer to me they were mm-hmm. so it was such a great experience for me and it really helped me develop start to really develop my ability and my you know style and Bill Robles would always say to me you got to develop your own technique you got to develop your own technique because I was always trying to copy him because he was so great and I could never do it well so you know it was like what's the point and I finally hit you know finally came a uh, light bulb went off and I finally said if you can't you know you can't you're never going to be as you're never going to be able to do it like he's the king at that you got to become the king at your own technique oh. so that was when I started to do that and we were there Every single day, wow. that that kind of practice and ability, uh, the ability to do that every single day was was phenomenal. And uh, John, the, the well, John court himself was quite a character. I mean, t- I mean, drawing. Oh God! Oh God! Yes, and his wife. 
His uh, fashion model life. That's right. Come on. I mean, it's like, oh my God, I died and gone to heaven. You know? It was it was the, one of the greatest experiences I had. Wow. And then he was acquitted to yeah. boot. So um it was uh really um you know, but then I moved and then I was able to move back to New York after yeah. that and start working there. Wow. Um but uh you know, it took me really about three or four years working as a courtroom artist in LA to really get my get going and develop and be you know, get my get my sea legs, so to speak. It takes a while when you're a young person mm-hmm. to get going. It's hard. Yeah. It it's hard. You know, it's too bad people's views are spent and you know challenged by these things. It's it's a it's a challenging time of people's lives. Mm-hmm. I I found. Yeah. It wasn't I would want to go back and do again. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the truth. Yeah. Once you get once you're sort of established and you get going, then it's okay. But it's those beginning years. Mm. It's course. It's saying it's testing. It's 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 a, it's a test in a way, in a lot of ways. And you have to see if you're up to it. So um, that was a, that was a turning point for my career. I'll say that. John DeLorean. Mm-hmm. And his yep. wife, uh, for those who don't remember, what was his wife's name? Christina Ferraro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that. <laughs> what did she, what was she usually, this was, the, this was the mid-80s, so what would she have been wearing, or what do you remember? Oh, she wore, um, okay, she wore, um, uh, every day, she wore a new outfit by Albert Caprara. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And he was, and they did a whole thing on her mm. Albert I'm going to look him up yeah. uh, okay and he um, yeah American fashion designer I'd imagine and, oh, yeah I'd imagine that John DeLorean was wearing very Armani style silhouette of his suits probably no, he really wasn't okay. he was uh, he was kind of like uh you know, wore the same sort of. He was very tall and slim, and oh, he would I'm wear sorry, the I'm, same. I, I misspoke. He was more, more, more stuffy than that. He was more Brooks Brothers, almost, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah he wasn't anything. So, I mean, he had, and then I think he would had a bunch of plastic surgery and stuff. Oh, we, yeah, the white hair and all. Um, but she, you know, she was yeah. a real eye candy of that style. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You know, and um, I mean, oh, God, I just, oh, it was just what a, oh, here it is. Let's see. Let's see this theme here. All right. Well, I don't have a picture of it. But at any rate, um, yeah, wearing Caporo. Oh, God. Anyway, yeah, she, she every day was a new outfit. Yeah. Every single day. That's great. Every single day. Wow. So, great. It was just great. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, anyway, nothing's come close to that since. <laughs> I have to say. Thing? Well, Elizabeth Williams, thank you so much for your generosity and time and, and sure. talking about these things that I think, you know, are as important as um, sculpture or, or, or film or anything else in the arts. So um, thank you. 
Well, I appreciate your interest, and thank you for having me on your show. Absolutely. Be safe out there. You too. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. I don't like goodbyes, so I'll see you soon, folks. Thank you. Mm-hmm.